What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. The March Madness preview series presented by CoolBet.com is here. Ahead on today's episode of The Window at long last, it's the Selection Sunday special. The bracket has been announced, and I've got my initial reactions to the matchups. Who's overseeded? Who's underseeded? And does it even matter? Finally, I'll go through every single first-round game with my personal point spread projections before I see the openers. It's the first of a loaded week of NCAA tournament content, tons of guests, picks, and strategy for giving you your best chance to win your bracket and survivor pool. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and we finally made it. Selection Sunday. And, you know, I don't know about you, when you have your, you know, one of your favorite sporting events, like your top, top sporting events, or just things in life, right? Maybe it's Christmas when you were a kid. And, you know, Christmas ends, and you're just like, oh, I can't believe we have 364 days until the next Christmas. For me, that's Selection Sunday. And the fact that we had to go double that, (laughs) the fact that we had to go, you know, 728 days, 729 days, whatever it ended up being to get from the last Selection Sunday to this one. Like, I'm already sad that we have to wait another 364, right? To get the bracket, like this golden thing that, you know, for me, and hopefully you're right there with me, like, you really enjoy doing. And part of it is, is like, okay, it was, oh, could could it be this? Could it be that? Could this team be here? Could this team be there? And then it's fine, like, this is the answer. Right? It's not the answer key necessarily, but this is the test. Like, What's going to be on the test? This is the test. And then you read it and you go through it and you go like, I'm kind of frustrated by these, by these questions. Like, Some of these aren't fair. Some of these questions are not fair. Like the, the teacher screwed us here. Like we never studied that or like I didn't think that was going to be on the test. And so I want to preface sort of talking about the bracket here with the idea that like, I'm really pumped. Like I'm really pumped. The tournament's back. I'm really pumped that we have a bracket. Uh, it's way better than last year, like by about a billion times. Um, you know, I'm already looking forward to next year. Um, I can't believe we did 700 plus days. So all of that is to say, like, I'm really thrilled that we are in this spot, but you know, human nature is human nature. And they come on and they, you know, announce this bracket and, I got some problems, right? Like, you know, I talked about Christmas. Maybe this is Festivus. I got a lot of problems with you people um, in the committee because, you know, there are some disappointing things. And I talked about, you know, Friday, like, what do I hope to see in the bracket? Normally I have like a checklist of things. Like, I hope this, I hope that. And there was a lot of stuff that I didn't really think I had to worry about from this bracket. And it just didn't work out and there's a bunch of different ways because when you think about it like this isn't the tried and true ratings of all of these teams this is just some dumb committee somewhere sort of throwing them all on a bracket and there's some logistics and stuff and listen there aren't nearly as many logistics this year and somehow they don't even have times for these games or you know specific locations obviously everything's in and around indianapolis but you know like there's a bunch of different ways that this could have been built and we'll never know what those alternative ways you know, what would have resulted from those alternative ways? We only have this one single solitary thing. And again, I'm thrilled about having it. But I go through it and, you know, you watch the show. And, you know, I'll start up in the West and listen, you know, Gonzaga makes a ton of sense. Uh, Obviously, number one, you know, in the West, not that there's, you know, an actual regional jurisdiction uh, per se um, for this season. You get that, you know, little pocket there where Creighton and Virginia, which, you know, listen, you've been following along this show for six weeks, you know, hopefully you've been following along longer but for six weeks we've been deep diving into college basketball here so you know full well that like i don't love creighton i don't love virginia and so not that many people in the quote-unquote no do but the idea that like ucsb and ohio are just like automatic like have to you know have to put them into our bracket or move them along um the way that seth davis sort of described it you know it's a bit disingenuous or a bit sort of um you know glib when it comes to that um the three seed here in kansas and this is sort of the big picture thing that i want to talk about the most and the thing that just uh, basically th- flew me off the handle and it's all relative right i was just 
sitting there quietly. Um, but the thing that really bothered me to a, to a great degree, Kansas as a three seed, West Virginia as a three seed, Oklahoma State as a four seed. What? Like, how many times does Oklahoma State have to beat West Virginia to get their spot in this bracket? Now, I realize that's the same region and all of that sort of thing, but of course, you know, we're the two teams that we've talked about most in the last three, four, however many weeks you want to sort of uh, go back. Well, Oklahoma State and Illinois. Well, guess who's facing each other if they get there in the Sweet 16? Oklahoma State, somehow a four seed despite beating up on the three seeds in, you know, beating up on everybody in the Big 12, they end up somehow as a four seed. And of course, it's not a four seed in the same region as Gonzaga. It's not a four seed, you know, God forbid it be a four seed in the same region as Michigan. I'd love a Michigan-Oklahoma State Sweet 16. Doesn't end up being the case. Ends up being against Illinois. So the dreams of sort of having, you know, these teams face each other in a regional final or facing each other in the final four go to die before anything else happens, right? Like, you know, and that's the tricky part with betting futures and all of this sort of thing is because you can't control what the matchups are going to be. You can only hope for the best. And to be honest with you, that's part of the fun too, right? Like the fun of betting Oklahoma State at 100 to 1 going like, well, we think they're going to improve their seating. They did from 8 to 4. We thought they were improving it from a to a 3, even potentially a 2, I think, if they had beaten Texas. Because now they don't have a case to be made over Texas's 3 seed, necessarily. Um, but that's just, you know, it just doesn't work out that way. And it's not our fault. And so, you know, these two really good bets on Illinois and Oklahoma State, hopefully one of them goes a long way. But they're going to be on their own for the regional final. Now, the good news is one of these two, and I shouldn't say almost definitely because either one of them could get knocked off. Um, Illinois, by the way, like having to deal with Loyola Chicago or Georgia Tech in the next round. Like how brutal is that? Obviously very cheeky with the Loyola Chicago being in the same corner of the bracket as Illinois. Very cheeky there. But they also have plopped in a team to take Loyola Chicago out. Uh, you know, with Georgia Tech. And you've got Loyola Chicago sitting there going, like, we have to face the ACC tournament winner. Our, we're number one team in defense in Ken Palm. Maybe even, might be down to number two, but last I looked, they were number one. Basically top 10, you know, defensive team in Ken Palm. You know, top 15 in Ken Palm overall. And we're getting an eight seed? Well, of course we are, because, you know, whether it was last week talking about Wichita State way back when, or talking about Gonzaga consistently being, you know, underseeded way back when as well. Now Loyola Chicago gets that underseeding treatment, that Gonzaga treatment. Now, are they Gonzaga? Will they be Gonzaga 20 years from now? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, Moser is like Mark Few at this point, and he wants to build something in Chicago. It's Chicago. It's not even Spokane, right? So it's very possible that, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from now, we look at Loyola Chicago as this like weird powerhouse in, you know, who knows, that maybe they're still in the Missouri Valley Conference the same way that Gonzaga is in the West Coast Conference still. But, you know, they get that treatment and it's like, yeah, you get an eight seed. It's like, God, I feel like we're more of a four or a five, <laughs> right? Like, look at Florida. Florida as a seven seed, like, it's comical. You can't tell me Florida is better than Loyola Chicago. But they get Georgia Tech, a nine seed. North Carolina is an eight. What? Why is North Carolina an eight and Georgia Tech is a nine seed? What? So, you know, fundamentally the point is, is like, to take this committee and, you know, when we're talking about betting, if you're new to betting the tournament or, you know, relatively so, you'll, you're going to see teams. And I think it's going to happen in a couple of cases here. We'll talk about point spreads in a second. But there's going to be a couple of cases where a double digit seed, whether it's an 11 or a 10, is a favorite over the quote unquote, you know, favored team, right? Like you're going to talk, oh, a 10 beat a 7, that's an upset. And it's not going to be the case. Maybe the 7 beating the 10 is going to be an upset. I think we're going to see that a handful of times because things like Florida being a seven seed, who, by the way, I don't even think they should be favored in their first round game. Talk about that in a second. You know, they get that seven seed and Loyola Chicago gets an eight and Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech gets a nine and Florida's a seven. Like what, what are we doing here? Right? So the point is, is like, understand that just because the committee has seeded these teams, you know, via a number in these spots, don't let that trick you into thinking can't, right? Don't let them don't let that trick you into thinking that Loyola can't win this game, can't win the next game 
against Illinois, right? Or maybe if they had played Michigan, maybe that's a better matchup for them. Don't let people, you know, don't let the seedings believe, you know, make you believe that, you know, Syracuse as an 11 isn't going to be favored against San Diego State because I kind of think they are. Um, so Kansas gets a three seed. Uh, basically everybody, everybody got a three seed except for Oklahoma State. We go down the bracket here into the east. I don't have a ton of complaints, right? We knew that Florida State or, or in Colorado were going to be in that four or five type of area. Um, funny that they are in their literal same region, same um, portion of the bracket as two teams that are in our portfolio. Um, also funny that immediately Seth Davis, he's just throwing around upsets. He's getting loose. It's like somebody said to him, hey, Seth, like feel free to pick an upset this year. And now he's slinging around Georgetown. So he's got Georgetown. He's got Ohio. He's got UCSB. And all of that's fine. I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with it at this point. We have a week to sort of decide that, four or five days, whatever. My big issue with that is, like, you have to understand how this bracket gets made. And what I mean by that is, like, 16s, 15s, 14s, they're not all created equal from a year-to-year basis. Because when it gets to those, right, like, the committee selects who they want as they play in games, right? So you got, you know, Wichita and Drake, two teams not all that surprising being in play-in games. Uh, Michigan State, UCLA, hilarious that like Seth Davis thought like America was going to be shocked and appalled that UCLA and MSU were, I should say, Rocket Mortgage, uh, the Rocket Mortgage, mortgage Spartans um, are in the play-in game because like, are you watching this selection show if you haven't been paying attention to the college basketball season? And if you have been paying attention to the college basketball season, why would you be falling off your couch that Michigan State is in the playing game. Michigan State's just not very good. Neither is UCLA. Anybody watching this show, I think, knows that. Now, maybe Jane from accounting, or John from accounting, who never watches any games, shouldn't, you know, discriminate. Um, maybe when they get their, their I was going to call it a script, when they get their uh, bracket, you know, from Jeff over in sales, who's got an envelope and he's got, you know, looking for $5 bills and handing out brackets, you know, maybe they're going to be surprised that Kentucky is nowhere to be found, that Duke is nowhere to be found, and that UCLA and Michigan State are in the play-in game. Maybe that ends up being the case, but it's not the people who are watching the selection so show. So, um, you know, you know, calm down, Seth Davis. Um, so, you know, Texas gets a three seed, and that's totally fine. I understand how they, you know, sort of got there. Um, UConn as a seven, and again, you know, could UConn have been a seven anywhere else? Absolutely. They just happen to be in the same quarter as our Alabama Crimson Tide. Obviously, really impressive win. I don't think they had their A game today against LSU. LSU, I thought, was, I don't want to say as good as LSU can get because, you know, defensively, it's still a bit rough. It's still a lot rough. But I, I mean, I think the difference between that game was just not being able to get tip-ins around the rim. And obviously that's literal. And I sort of thought it was ironic or whatever the opposite of it was appropriate at the end of the game where they couldn't get the tip-in to go because they weren't able to get those rebounds, both offensive and defensively, around the rim all game long. So they're going to be vulnerable to a team who could be, you know, able to clean the glass, if you will, right? And so it's interesting that their second round matchup is Michigan, who is a team that can do that. But I digress. Um, so Alabama and UConn end up being this like potential second round matchup, which is just so, you know, perfect that that would end up being the, be, being the case considering we've brought UConn into our futures portfolio. You know, we again, we'd like these to be spread out a little bit more. You know, they're not, right? Colorado and Florida State are looking to face each other in the second round. Yukon, Alabama are looking to face each other in the second round. Illinois and Oklahoma State are looking to face each other in as quickly as they possibly could have, which would have, you know, which is the third round. Um, just, you know, really pretty brutal. Um, elsewhere, you've got Villanova, right? So Villanova gets lumped in with Creighton, which, you know, apparently now Creighton is absolute garbage and is like definitely going to lose to UCSB. Um, which again brings me back to my to, to my original point of, you know, the seedings and and the deep seedings. So you've got, you know, the bubble, and then you've got these other teams who they have to put in the tournament, right? They won their conference tournaments and they are in. And there are years where the really good team, the number one team, the team that's 15 and one in the conference, they win their conference tournament and they go to the NCAA tournament. And if you have a bunch of teams that are the best team in that conference, you're going to have really good 15 seeds, right? You're going to have really good 14 seeds and so on because every team is the best team in their conference. 
which means something. They didn't just fluke their way into the tournament as a four seed. This season, now, again, you can call it COVID season, you want to call it just one of those seasons, whether it was the power conferences where we had bid stealers with Georgetown and Oregon State, obviously those two teams, you know, think about it this way, right? Those two teams get in, two teams that had better resumes that were on the bubble, those teams get booted out. Same kind of thing with these 15, 16s, you know, listen, 14, 13, all of these sort of bottom half, uh, bottom quarter seeds. If none of them are any good, then none of them are going to be any good. But if all of them are good, all of them are going to be good. This is just one of those years where the third best team, the fifth best team in the league made the NCAA tournament. It sucks for those teams that went 15-1 and one down the stretch, right? You've got a Winthrop team, right? That, of course, line them up right here with Villanova as a 12 seed. Well, a team in the Big South is often a 14 or a 15 seed. It just so happens that Winthrop was one of those teams that went 15-1, and one, give or take, you know, in their conference and then when you compare them to some of the dregs of these other conferences that weren't the power teams those power teams in that conference those good teams i should say are sitting on the sideline waiting for next season or waiting hopefully for their you know their uh their champion to have, have a covid positive test so they can swoop in which I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two of those actually happen with these smaller schools. But the point is this season is really down with when it comes to 13 and 14 and 15 seeds. And if you don't follow college basketball in these deeper conferences, you don't really know that, right? You don't really know what you're missing out on because you didn't get the best team from, you know, the Sun Belt, for example. You didn't get the best team from, you know, the Horizon. I mean, the Horizon ended up sending their number one um seed but i don't even know if that team was technically the best team uh, or people you know if people really thought that to be the case right summit league right was oral roberts the best team in the summit league i don't think that they were so you're getting all of these teams that weren't really the best team in their own league and so normally you'll see you know the lehigh's of the world you know and they win a tournament game it's not all that surprising because they were really really good in their league and you just didn't know about it at that time you just thought oh lehigh patriot league team they you know they probably suck it's like no they're actually a really good team in their league and so you have a handful you have the ucsbs you have the winthrops um you know even ohio right i think was thought of really highly even though if they weren't necessarily a number one seed in the mac where it's like okay now just because they are the few good teams that are left from these high seeds you know, and they're playing these teams that are deemed vulnerable, right? Creighton obviously didn't look very good uh, at all against Georgetown. Virginia, we don't even know, right? Like, what did Virginia do to get sort of just tossed aside by, you know, Seth Davis? Just, oh, Ohio's definitely going to win because, like, Virginia had a COVID-positive test and didn't get to play Georgia Tech? Who knows what would have happened, right? Virginia was favored and I believe, both games they played against Georgia Tech this season, right? So same thing, Winthrop, right? Everybody's going to be clamoring over Winthrop. They're not going to have a clue about any player that's on Winthrop. Same thing with UNC Greensboro. Those are sort of the four teams, and you see them here, right, as 13s and 12s, where if there was more really good teams from these small conferences, they would probably be in the 13-14 conversation maybe even the 15 conversation in a different year so i think there ends up being some value on some of those power five teams that we're just sort of disregarding here because of in a lot of cases circumstance um arkansas as a three seed seth davis first one to 100 in that game sure seth uh florida as a seven seed talked about that like that's patently ridiculous um of course ohio state is a two seed they were sort of you know penned in there for the longest time talked about most of what's going on in the uh midwest from a seating standpoint really disappointed um obviously in the oklahoma state thing that's obviously going to be the thing that i'm kind of bitching about um for the rest of this week uh so that's my take with, with regards to the selection show and you know the uh the bracket as a whole uh, i'm going to take a quick break here for an important announcement an opportunity um to get some free money to bet on some basketball games or whatever you want to bet on here uh, and then after the break we are breaking down every single point spread i've got every single point spread in my projections for 
these games, right? Uh, first four, and then every single game for the bracket before. I haven't seen the openers yet. Um, I'll see that after the show's done, sort of. So putting all my numbers out there before we even get opening point spreads. Um, so you can do your own compare and contrast. Grab yourself a pen and a paper to uh, write these down. You can do your own comparisons. But I think it's a really good exercise to, you know, like any other sport, whether it's at Monday in the NFL, I think it's a really good e exercise to guess the spreads and whether you have sort of a rating system or however you want to do it guessing the spreads before you see the actual lines always a good idea we're going to do that right after this Quick break to tell you about some big news for the podcast. Coolbet.com is the presenting sponsor for the Windows March Madness coverage. What does that mean for you? Free money. If you're looking to try single game sports betting for the first time, or you're looking to add to your sportsbook repertoire, Coolbet.com is offering to double your deposit up to $200. There's a link in the description of this podcast, or you can find it on my Twitter feed, at mrussauthentic. Otherwise, simply go to coolbet.com, create your account, and enter the promo code WINDOW to double your deposit. Now, back to the betting. All right, let's dig into it. Here's another number. As I gave you an opportunity, grab a pen and paper uh, to write these down, and we'll sort of compare what they you know, what they open at and what they close at by the time the games start on, well, listen, Thursday night. And then, of course, subsequently big time on Friday. So we'll start with the first four before we get into the core bracket. And I alluded to it in the previous segment, Wichita and Drake. Wichita, I've got his six and a half point favorites here against Drake, right? And you'd think, you know, first four, pick them type game. My ratings have Wichita much higher than Drake at this point. Um... You know, we'll see where that ends up going. Uh, which side do I even like necessarily? You know, obviously we have a week to sort of figure that out, or almost a week to figure that out. Uh, Norfolk and App State. My numbers have App State as a small favorite here. Sun Belt over the MIAC uh, here at minus two and a half for App State. Uh, the other 16 play-in game, Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. Uh, both both teams came in upsetting the you know top seed in their league. Texas Southern, though, a uh, better program over the course of the last few years. I think they're going to end up a small favorite here. Uh, I've got this as three points for Texas Southern. And then the big one in, uh, you know, sort of the highlight, if you will, on Thursday, Michigan State and UCLA, two programs probably bummed out about the season that they've had. Michigan State early on and UCLA of late. And so for me here, based on the trending element here and factoring in the last couple of weeks more importantly than early on in the season obviously UCLA a ton of injuries especially to their bigger players I have Michigan State as a three and a half point favorite here against UCLA I will understand if it's under that but then I will be betting Michigan State in this game even at minus three and a half I'm probably leaning towards Michigan State you could do the whole do you trust Izzo over Cronin thing and I would probably say that that's a fair assessment um, back to the bracket from the West, uh, I think the number here for Gonzaga doesn't really matter, even though that there's a discrepancy between App State and Norfolk. I think the number starts here with Gonzaga minus 30. And if it's App State, you know, that's where it begins. If it's Norfolk, maybe you throw another couple of points on there. At that point, it kind of doesn't even really matter. Uh, but, I would, you know, we'll see if it opens um, at 30 or somewhere nearby and starts drifting one way or another. I just don't know how you could have a opinion on that necessarily. That being said, we're not going to see a spread on that, obviously, until Norfolk or App State end up uh, deciding who is going to get destroyed by Gonzaga. Uh, Oklahoma and Missouri, the 8-9 game, didn't talk much about this because, again, it's a it's kind of a meh matchup, though you're not going to be surprised to know that I will be looking to fade Missouri here. Um, you know, we're a little bit worried that we wouldn't have an opportunity to fade this Missouri team. And listen, is that a guarantee that they're going to win this game or lose this game? No, we don't know that, you know, anything about that. Uh, I've got Oklahoma minus three here to, uh, to open this. Uh, we'll see if that ends up being the case. That might be a little high just because of how low I have Missouri. From a rating standpoint, Oklahoma's taken a couple of, you know, sort of tough losses here over the last little bit, but I think this team is actually a pretty good matchup for them, but we'll see where the number is. Creighton and UCSB, uh, this is, this has that Kansas, 
Northeastern matchup that I you know talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast, written all over it, where you know my number's Creighton minus eight and a half. I can see people, you know, seeing that number and going like, oh, I'll take eight and a half, and it's just sort of diving down, down, down. Will it open lower than that because of that? Maybe, but my number is eight and a half for Creighton, and my number is seven and a half for Virginia over Ohio. I actually think, you know, and listen, I've sort of trashed the idea that we're just assuming or we're announcing for everyone to sort of, you know, almost earworm everybody that Ohio and UCSB are going to win these games. But I have Virginia minus seven and a half, and I kind of think that's a little bit low, just based on sort of comparable numbers we've seen them be road favorites in various locations in the acc that weren't even the worst locations that weren't even the worst teams in the acc so this could very well be higher at which point like i will be on ohio at that point even at seven and a half i think i would probably be on ohio but we'll see we'll see what the market says with regards to a team that from a branding standpoint you know has finally got some credit as the quote-unquote defending champions here uh usc against again either wichita or drake obviously it matters right if my you know if i have a discrepancy of six and a half points between wichita state and drake it makes a difference who moves on here i've got right now sort of theoretically if it's wichita state i've got usc minus four and a half if it's drake i've got usc minus ten and a half so we'll see uh you know who wins that game and then what happens uh kansas against eastern washington here and listen eastern washington from a program standpoint that's a you know school in the big sky you've got your weber states in there uh you know montana has been in the tournament a handful of times and when they're really good that can be a problem um this eastern washington team again consistent program amongst the top two or three in the big sky every year could be a problem do we know you know whether we're getting david mccormick back for kansas all that kind of thing my number is 10 and a half in this game we'll see where it pops shortly oregon uh minus nine and a half here as a seven and ten game and so we're gonna see i think a couple if not you know definitely one if not more um bigger seeds right the tens the elevens if you will being favorited over the sevens over the sixes even potentially and you know then you know okay like this committee is not totally with it when it comes to power ratings of teams well i think that's obviously the case here right given that oregon here is minus nine and a half for me is that going to be the end number in all of this i imagine it ends up being lower than that and we're going to get an opportunity to bet on oregon here against vcu iowa against grand canyon my number is too low right now on iowa and i get that um i've got 12 and a half right now for iowa i think that's low um i imagine it's a little bit higher but you know i don't know anytime any if we get a little bit higher than that listen grand canyon is a team that had you know high expectations going into this season um you know it's it's a team that we've got bryce drew as the head coach and the reason that you know dan marley you know of, of the phoenix suns fame the reason he was fired was because the expectations were high for grand canyon so this isn't a team that just sort of stumbled into the tournament they have been really good since their you know uh evolution since their debut in in division one basketball a few years ago uh into the east michigan here you know small difference whether it's uh mount st mary's or texas southern uh, i have this in the low 20s either way minus 21 or minus 23 depending on who they play lsu uh I've got this. It's an 8-9 game. And, you know, listen, it's St. Bonaventure. They talked about the, you know, though they play defense. They play defense. Did they play defense against LSU's offense, though? Have they seen anything like that? I mean, you saw it on Saturday. You saw it almost enough on Sunday to go, okay, if they're going to go firepower for firepower with LSU, there's only a few teams that can really do that. And Alabama is one of those teams. And you can make the case that maybe they, you know, could have, you know should have lost that game i don't know that saint mary saint, excuse me saint bonaventure is one of those teams i have this at lsu minus nine against saint bonaventure in an eight nine game so very much like the oregon v- vcu game you've got a relatively close seating but a not particularly close point spread next up colorado and georgetown and i got colorado here as six and a half point favorites this reeks just like you know sort of 
strangely enough, like Oregon State, where it's, okay, they made a Cinderella run to the tournament, and people are going to start talking themselves into them in their matchup, especially since they get that 12-5 type matchup. Georgetown's not very good. <laughs> like, they haven't been good all season. They were underdogs in, ba you know, every single matchup. They were underdog to Marquette a week ago, less than a week ago, four days ago. They were underdog, you know, three and a half points, I think we had, because we bet them. We had Georgetown plus three and a half. They were a three and a half point underdog to Marquette. And so now they're only going to be, in this case, six and a half to Colorado. Okay, okay, go ahead. Take take Georgetown, Seth. Um, Florida State, he was loving Florida State, man. He is uh, signing them up for uh, for beating Michigan um, later on in, uh, in the tournament here against UNC Greensboro. Uh, I've got this at 12.5 for Florida State. That might be a skosh high if it ended up being 12.5. I think I'd probably have to take a shot with UNC Greensboro. But again, this is for later on in the week. Uh, BYU against uh, Michigan State and UCLA. Talked about this in the last segment. BYU here you know, six versus an 11, I could see the 11 being favored here just on brand recognition, right? And it's worth mentioning here, once we get into the tournament, you know, the numbers are the num what the numbers are, right? So like I have my numbers, that's what we're doing here right now. Um, sportsbooks have their numbers and, you know, they'll sort of come up with what their power rating numbers suggest. But in the tournament, when everybody's betting on all of these games, the idea, you know, if you're just going to blindly go by your numbers and you're not going to ignore the fact that like 80% of the money is going to be on Michigan State with any kind of value or even UCLA with any kind of value price, right? If you're getting, okay, well, BYU minus two and a half, if people are seeing that as an underdog, quote unquote, value situation, they're going to jump on that. So why would you leave yourself sort of hanging out there? So I think this ends up being a pick em game, at least on open, and then they end up sort of going with wherever the money is going to go and i wouldn't be shocked if byu ended up as a small underdog but again that's a game that's being played on thursday michigan state and ucla so we won't know until shortly after there what that number is going to be which is always sort of the frustrating thing you know since they've brought in the first four a few years ago where we don't know until sort of the last second and like yeah all these teams you know talked about which on drake probably not making a particularly deep run but I'd like to know whether it's Michigan State or UCLA who wins this game before Thursday night, right? If we're already sort of locking in our bracket and sort of committing to what we've got by then, you know, it's not that great when it when you don't really know, especially again against a team like BYU who's going to be a pick'em type game. You know, I'd like to know which team we're going to see. But alas, it is what it is. And again, still like this, better than I liked last year. So fine. Texas and uh, Abilene Christian here. And this is too bad because I think a lot of people out there like at this Abilene, Christ Abilene Christian team as a, you know, spicy underdog. And I think this Texas team is where underdogs go to die, right? From a talent standpoint, like they're, they're just going to be overwhelming for Abilene Christian. That being said, I've got Texas minus nine and a half in this game. Uh, yeah, just a really unfortunate matchup for Abilene Christian, who, you know, if you look at all the threes, and again, in a different world, if this is Abilene Christian versus Kansas, if this is Abilene Christian versus Arkansas, maybe, if this is Abilene Christian even against West Virginia, maybe you go, oh, I think they could win this. Texas, don't think so. Uh, Yukon and Maryland here. I've got this as Yukon minus two and a half, but this should be an interesting line to see where this ends up. Obviously, a lot of people liking Yukon a lot more than they like Maryland, myself included. I have no sort of qualms in admitting that uh, here. Uh, as you guys know, over the last few few weeks that we've been looking to find out where this Yukon team was going to play. And of course, they end up, as mentioned, looking at a potential second round matchup with our Alabama Crimson Tide. And... You know, another impressive game from Alabama, not even their best work, I didn't think, today against LSU to sort of fight and claw in, in case of the pregame, literally fight, um, to stay in this game and, uh, and end up winning it. And so now they've got Rick Pitino and Iona, and so obviously people are going to get excited about Rick Pitino and blah, blah, blah. But again, this is the Metro. Like, this is not a league that is, a, you know, cranking out NCAA tournament 
upsets over the course of their history, right? Like it just isn't. And so you can get excited about Patino, but the reality is they're probably just going to get absolutely run out of the building by Alabama. My number for this game is 14 and a half. And I think that's going to end up being low because of the respect that people have for Patino, but he's been there one year and they've played like 17 games and congrats on the win against, you know, Fairfield in St. Peter's or whoever it was, but Alabama's a different kettle of fish if you will uh in the south baylor uh i've got this minus 24 and a half against hartford that might actually be even a little bit low it's just a matter of like this isn't the baylor team that we've seen from earlier on in the season that would probably win this game by 40 now maybe they end up winning this game by 30 maybe this number is even a little bit low from where i have it um but you know, again, I don't know that we can go all the way up to 30 the same way that we can do that with Gonzaga against a team that's going to have played a couple of nights before already. And this Hartford team, you know, again, not dangerous remotely to Baylor. Not that that should be any surprise to anyone. Uh, North Carolina and Wisconsin here. I think North Carolina ends, ends up as about a four and a half point favorite in this game. Um, I can see it being lower than that and then me betting North Carolina. That wouldn't be all that surprising, I don't think, to anybody out there. Uh, Villanova and Winthrop. And this is going to be that game that, listen, Winthrop is that team, right? They are, they are that team that is, you know, 16-1 and one or whatever they were in their conference that dominated and then, you know, won their tournament really easily. And those are the teams that, you know, if you're just showing up, you know, obviously that's why they're a 12 seed, not a 14 seed. Like, you know, teams from that league have been uh, from the Big South over the course of history, right? Like this is the best version of that, of a team from that conference. And they're going up against, you know, what is the quote unquote worst version of Villanova. But I have this one circled as the game that everybody's going to be on Winthrop. This number's going to get driven down to a point where it's going to be, I think like four and a half is my expectation number here. And I think given that, Villanova will have had a week here to kind of figure things out. They're going to have a more healthy team here when, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're not getting Gillespie back here at any point in time, but everybody else should be a lot more healthy, should have a better sort of plan, if you will, with regards to, you know, who's going to play and where are they going to play and how are they going to play that I think they end up winning this game and sort of taking everybody um, for a ride here who is all just way too excited to back Winthrop, a team that, Nobody knows anything about, right? We just know that they're good, that they had a really good, you know, season in their league and all of that stuff, great. But I think even a shorthanded Villanova is good enough to beat them, and I think we're getting a discount on it. Now, could Villano uh, Winthrop win this game? Sure, of course they could. But I think we're going to get, from a pricing standpoint, a good deal. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where that number uh, starts and then where it ends up. Purdue uh, at, against North Texas. North, this was a wild game in the Conference USA. North Texas... Uh, with a massive lead, Western Kentucky comes all the way back from down 12 at halftime, takes the lead. North, North Texas barely had a basket in the second half, but then they storm back to tie the game, force overtime, and then win it in overtime here. Uh, my number here is Purdue minus 9.5. That might be a little bit short here. But again, this North Texas team was pretty good in Conference USA. Um, Again, a conference that has brought you, you know, the middle Tennessees of the world, um, in, you know, from a historical standpoint. Uh, Texas Tech and Utah State. Utah State loses to San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship. Texas Tech, as you guys know, probably deserved a little bit better fate. Um, worth mentioning, we were on them, you know, plus 1,200 uh, for that tournament. And then, you know, they were up 66-61 with a minute to go against Texas, the eventual champion. Obviously, it helped that Kansas, you know, had to remove themselves from the tournament. But again, these are just sort of the bad breaks that we get from time to time, right? Where it's like, oh, really? So if Texas Tech had just finished that game, they would have had a spot in the finals against an exhausted Oklahoma State team who had just played West Virginia and and beat Baylor. And, oh, yeah, that 1,200 was probably going to be really good if Texas Tech had had won that one game. But, again, the uh, the coin flips of March, right, whether it's LSU on a putback or Texas Tech on, uh, you know, whether he got fouled late in the game or whether they're fouling people late in the game, what can you do? Uh, my number for this one is 6.5. I think there's some regard out there for Utah State. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that might be a little bit low. Uh, but Texas Tech minus six and a half is my, it would be my opening number to see where people go with that. Arkansas and Colgate. 
This is hilarious too. Seth Davis talking about first one to 100 wins. Well, I'm here to tell you Arkansas is going to be the first one to 100. And I don't think Colgate's getting to 80. That being said, my number, Arkansas minus 11 in this game. Uh, Florida and Virginia Tech. This is one where I've got the 10 seed favorite. I Like again, I don't see Florida as a 7 seed. That's ridiculous. Virginia Tech, I think is sneaky good. And I have them as a 2.5 point favorite. If Florida's favorite in this game, we're going to be on the Virginia Tech money line. And I'll be happy about that. Ohio State minus 16.5 is my number against Oral Roberts. Um... Real, just really good game against Illinois. Really impressive from an Illinois standpoint. And this is perfect because we're going into Illinois here next. You know, it's funny because you've got Gonzaga and everybody goes, oh, like they haven't been tested. They haven't been tested. They haven't played a close game. Like what's it going to look like when they play a close game? Illinois takes that 17-point lead. And I'm looking at that going like, God, what if Illinois is a team that hasn't played a close game? And sure, like we're psyched that they're just beating the brakes off of these teams in the Big Ten, and obviously that's a lot different than the teams, you know, out in the West Coast Conference. But still, like what happens late? And so as much as I was, you know, thrilled to see Illinois sort of buck up, uh, especially in overtime, win that game, I didn't love that last shot in regulation. I don't know how anybody could have, right? Dasunmu, I need guys going downhill. I need going to the basket, like, you know, if you have to kick it out to somebody, that's fine too. But like, you have to force it. And it's my biggest pet peeve. And I'm sure it is yours as well, or at least one of these settling for three point shots tied. Right. And I mean, we saw Michigan, speaking of it, we saw Michigan on Saturday, just outrageous that they would settle down one for last shot, like outrageous. And it ends up being that same sort of deal with the stupid, like step back three type move. And it's just incredibly infuriating and everything was going against Illinois down the stretch there. I thought Brad Underwood was going to have a heart attack. I'm worried about Brad Underwood at this point. And, and you know, I, I regard him as a pretty good coach. I regard each one of those guys. I like I talked about on Saturday, like the idea of, okay, you bet against Iowa plus three and a half against Illinois, whatever drove you to do that you know, whatever. Um, that seems insane to me. I mean, there's no such thing as locks, but like, I don't know why you would do that. But then you're also watching that game and, you know, this incredibly unlikable Fran McCaffrey team where, you know, they're flopping and getting these flagrants and just a bunch of BS is happening. And this Illinois team is just a really exciting, fun team to watch. So we get into that Ohio State and listen, I really like that team too, more than most. You know, people trash their defense saying it's just as bad as Iowa's. And from a metric standpoint, maybe that's the case. But when you can outscore people, you know, the way that both those teams can, but especially Ohio State, you know, your metrics don't need to be great defensively. And maybe losing sort of four games in a row down the stretch kind of kicked them in the pants a little bit. And now you're there like, okay, well, let's play a little defense because that defense looked tough to me today against a really good Illinois team that, you know, has a plan on offense. So I was just disappointed that it didn't have a plan when it came to those last few seconds. Um, I've got them 18 and a half here against Drexel. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it. Ohio State 16 and a half. Hopefully I did. Um, Ohio State uh, 16 and a half. Illinois 18 and a half against Drexel. Um, kind of a low seed for Drexel. I mean, I don't know that they feel like a 16 versus some of these others. I mean, you could easily have put... You know, Cleveland State, Iona, I'm still, I'm surprised. I think Patino actually, for some whatever reason, got a little regard getting uh, getting a 15 seed because, you know, we don't know much about that Iona team. And certainly Metro teams have been 16 seeds in the past, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Drexel feels a little bit low, but uh, okay. Um, Illinois, 18 and a half here. I imagine that could be actually a little bit higher. We'll see. Loyola, Chicago, and Georgia Tech. I just, I think this is a pick em game. You know, I think I'm going to spend the whole week trying to figure out which one of these teams I would have advancing. And can you imagine Alvarado against Curbelo in the second round? Like, sweet Lord, <laughs> those two high energy point guards, you know, just in each other's pocket the entire game. Because Curbelo is an incredible dribbler in traffic. And so is Alvarado. And that Georgia Tech team goes, you know, they go hard for steals. Uh, it would be an incredible matchup from a point guard. Uh, position standpoint 
Um, but Loyola Chicago, again, it's that underseeded story, right? Like they are metrically a really, really good team. Number one, if not number two, uh, if not number one, they're another number two defense in Ken Palm. Um, I don't know sort of how that ratings have shaken down here in the last week or so. Uh, but I have this game as a pick 'em. I'll be interesting to see which way that goes because I think some sharp people really understand how good Loyola Chicago is. And I think Georgia Tech got a lot of people's radar with obviously their ACC championship win on Saturday. Uh, Tennessee and Oregon State here again. This Tennessee team you know they can beat Florida <laughs> that's one thing that they can do um you know this Oregon State team and this is our chance and it's 45 minutes into the podcast chance to pat ourselves on the back a little bit little Oregon State 50 to 1 sprinkle talked about it with Ted on Tuesday setting that up um that's the difference in profitable versus not profitable from a future standpoint we ended up going uh 29 and 23 i have this written down somewhere can't find it in my notes uh 29 and 23 from a power conference standpoint ended up making back the money that we were down based on those half unit uh small conference plays right we talked about how we're going to get that back we got that back and then some ended up being a profitable conference tournament uh week uh going along with a profitable regular season season so uh that was good um again always could be better we lost a lot of last second <laughs> games right whether it's the lsu alabama game whether it's colorado and the tip in against usc right that game could have gone to overtime could have gone a different way uh there was another one that i'm forgetting off the top of my head that went to oh was it seaton yeah seaton yeah we talked about this seaton hall and st john's right anything that was sort of going to overtime or at the last second type of a shot just seemed to go uh the wrong way um hopefully that just means better luck for the tournament uh so tennessee oregon state here i have this at seven and that's probably low to be honest with you um yeah i mean we'll see where that opens up oklahoma state and liberty right i think you know as much as i'm psyched about oklahoma state i'm appalled that they're a four seed truth is i only have them as an eight and a half point favorite here against liberty like liberty as we talked about before dangerous dangerous team and oklahoma state like they thrive in these close games right how many close games did they win down the stretch not a ton in the way of blowouts right like they would blow out like kansas state at home but it's not like they were dominating these really good teams now liberty is a relatively good team for a 13 seed but certainly potentially dangerous hopefully oklahoma state doesn't overlook them you know i don't know that i'm going to be on oklahoma state we'll see what the number ends up being but this does have that sort of fearful smell of a team that we're on getting knocked off really early against a dangerous 13 seed because that's the type of thing right if this is a if they're a three it isn't just okay avoiding illinois which again I wish was the case like Illinois and Oklahoma state in a sweet 16 is obviously sick, but it sucks if you have both teams, uh, futures the way that we do. And so it's not just, okay, they should be in a three and they could be in a different region or they could have to, you know, wait to face Illinois, though. That is obviously the biggest issue. It's also, you give them a four and now you're talking about some pretty decent teams in that 12 or 13 you know range here and liberty is one of those teams and so i think this number is eight and a half san diego state and syracuse uh, i think syracuse ends up as a favorite in this game in an 11 to 6 game right again part of that's branding part of that is it's a pretty tough matchup for san diego state right like what do you want if you're facing syracuse well you want a team that can shoot over the zone and you want a team that's really going to you know beat them up from a rebounding standpoint right you want the florida states the north carolinas of the world versus say the dukes i mean the dukes often you know can shoot over the zone but when it comes to san, san diego state they don't really do either of those things particularly well so i think this ends up being syracuse i have this as three and a half that might be a little bit high but i think they end up being the favorite as the 11 seed obviously i think a popular 11 over six pick for your bracket west virginia uh, i've got this minus 12 and a half against moorhead state i think that's strictly just based on the fact that west virginia's defense didn't progress the way that we necessarily wanted it to since we got in there um from a futures portfolio standpoint at the end of i believe it was the end of january when we did that this number 12 and a half more head state 
again, you know, we'll see if there's any value one way or another. And then Clemson and Rutgers, right? Like the worst game on the board. Which team do you want? I kind of don't want either. Um, I'll give the benefit of the doubt here to Clemson. I have them as a minus one and a half here against Rutgers. I couldn't even begin to tell you where I land on this game uh, in that 7 to 10 zone. Houston and then and Cleveland State. Houston, minus 15 here is my number. Cleveland State, a team that would be dangerous. I think this is another really tough matchup. Given the athleticism from Houston, you saw them blow out Cincinnati. I'm loath to lay a ton of points. It's a thing that you're going to have to do from time to time in the NCAA tournament. I didn't want to do it today, even though I knew Houston was going to smoke Cincinnati, but I just never want to, because what does that mean, right? 18-point lead the entire game, and then Cincinnati gets it under the number in the last couple of minutes, all of that type of stuff. No, they just won by 40, and it wasn't even remotely close. So, um, that's my numbers for the first round here. Uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff to come down the stretch. Uh, a lot of really good, interesting guests here from all walks of life. We're going to have a lot of fun with the tournament for the next couple of days, right? The next two or three. And then Friday is going to be when we get serious. Uh, obviously, Thursday we'll have play-in bets and all of that kind of stuff. And do a lot of prop stuff, too, on, on Thursday. But then also Friday, that's when I'll have my bracket. Um, my picks for the weekend, um, or at least for Friday, we're going to come back, we're going to do a show on Saturday, we're going to do a show on Sunday morning, right, sort of a very quick, like, early morning show type of thing, reacting to the games the day before, and, the you know, obviously making bets for, uh, you know, the day to come. Quick reminder about the offer from CoolBet.com. The offer code is window. If you're on the site, we do have a link attached to this uh, in the description of this podcast and on my Twitter feed. I'll have that pinned as well. You can deposit 10 bucks if you want, you know, go ahead, do that. You get $10 on top of that. You make a $20 bet. You can deposit 50 bucks. Now you got a hundred bucks to bet with all the way up to a $200 deposit that gives you $200 back and you now have $400 to bet with and all it costs you is $200. Of course, we have a ton of basketball and other sports, by the way, that you're free to bet on as well, any sport that you want. Uh, they're available also on Twitter at CoolBetCanada or ask at CoolBetChris, Chris Abbott. Any questions that you have about the site, about any procedure with you know deposits, withdrawals, all of that kind of stuff, they're super transparent over there. Uh, they do a really great job. At any rate, as usual, I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. I'm fired up about this week, guys. We're going to be back with uh, a handful of guests on Tuesday. Until then, I'll see you at the window.